Hello friends and welcome back to It's All Relative, the show that explores life's issues through a generational lens, helping us understand how we are evolving as consumers, workers and citizens. Each episode I shall be tackling a juicy question that I want answered by interviewing experts, voices and practitioners along the way to unravel the complex answer. Now, if you have kids, or at least friends with kids, you will have probably realised a quiet revolution that has gradually taken place in our workplaces and society at large. A new positive culture of fatherhood now prevails. This is evident in the boardroom as much as at the school gates, evident in those midlife centrist dads doing their flip kicks at the skate park, evident in the multitasking millennial dad jogging with the bugaboo on the nursery run. Yes, it feels like we're living in a new, more positive era of fatherhood, and quite right too, when dual income households are now the norm, it's only fair that dual care households should be the norm too. Researchers found that the amount of time fathers spend with their kids has increased by 200% since the 1970s. And yet, women are still overburdened with the care load, especially during the pandemic. Shared parental leave policies are insufficient and paternity leave take up is at a record low. So are we really living in a new era of fatherhood or are millennial fathers just that much more visible? With me to discuss this key issue are two guests who know more about this subject than most. Elliot Ray is one of the UK's foremost prominent speakers on fatherhood, masculinity and men's mental health. He is founder of the parenting platform Music Football Fatherhood, dubbed Mumsnet for Dads by the BBC, and co-founder of the Working Dads Employer Awards. Our second guest is academic and author Dr Jasmine Kelland, lecturer in Human Resource Studies at Plymouth Business School. Her PhD explored the challenges and stereotypes facing fathers in the workplace, and last year she published her first book based on this research. Thank you, Elliot and Jasmine. Welcome to It's All Relative. Great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, because this is oh, a subject close to my heart. I have two children, and my husband does a lot on the childcare front. But I wonder if we could start perhaps with you, Jasmine, just giving a sort of picture of, of contemporary fatherhood and, and how it has evolved in the last 10 years. My daughter is 20 and certainly when she was born, no one ever asked my husband if he was changed his working patterns. That wasn't something that got asked not even once, I don't think. And certainly when my daughter was born, there was lots and lots of talk about what my working hours were going to be. So I think things have changed a little bit. There's more expectation of dads to be more actively involved now. There is a real sort of culture in which we expect dads to have an involved style of parenting, to be present and not just be seen as a provider in the family but to also have an active, engaged style of fatherhood. But I don't think the workplace has caught up with that. I do think we've still got a long way to go, particularly with looking at employers and organisations and how fathers are treated within that. Elliot, if we could just bring you in there, can you talk a bit about your experience and where you're coming from and what led you to set up your network? So for me, it was a, a long career in the civil service where I was doing a lot of people-based roles. I was head of race at DEFRA and then my last job was running a DNI in the treasury and kind of doing a lot of the in-house DEI work and looking at all of the characteristics, but especially focusing around gender and, and fatherhood. It was very interesting for me to see it from that point of view. But obviously I had my own personal experience, which I've shared quite widely around my daughter's birth and the aftermath where I was diagnosed with PTSD and what that kind of taught me from a very personal perspective 
also looking at how easy it could have been for me and my wife to fall into some of those traditional roles for me to go back into work for her to take on the main caring responsibilities and our lives could have very easily gone into that road so for me kind of taking my personal experience taking the experiences that I've learned and I'm privileged enough to hear from so many dads on a daily basis through our platform music football fatherhood along with the work that I was doing in diversity in the civil service has really led me to learn more about this area and basically dedicate my life now to try to progress where we are in the UK when it comes to fatherhood and I think what Jasmine was saying there is true you know we have made a lot of progress you know my granddad never went to the birth of any of his six children back in the 60s and my grandma when my wife was pregnant was saying Elliot you're going to see something your granddad has never seen before and it was childbirth yeah dads in the 60s very rarely if any went to their child's birth. It just wasn't a thing that dads even considered doing. I'm not even sure if they were allowed in the delivery room, to be honest. Now, we know that in a vast majority of relationships where it is a man and a woman, the dad is mainly likely to be in the room for the birth. And he is much more active than his granddad was and potentially his dad was as well. But it's complicated. It's not a simple picture where we are seeing this revolution of dads more involved. Of course, we are seeing an evolution in fatherhood and masculinity. And I think COVID has had a massive part to play in that. But at the same time, there is so much more to do. There is so much more that employers can do. There is so much more government intervention we need as well Mm. and societal change and attitudes. So it's a mixed picture. I am optimistic. We have made progress. It's important to recognise that. But at the same time, there is so much to do to get to a place where you know, families have the option to design their life in a way that really benefits and works for them. Could you just highlight what the role is for Music Football Fatherhood Network? What kinds of things do you do and what kinds of things are your members discussing? So we are all about open conversations about being a dad and we do that through different ways. So sometimes it will be through content. We have a a book called Dad, which 20 dads shared their very, very honest and vulnerable stories in there. And they cover topics like stillbirth and miscarriage and postnatal depression and co-parenting. So just the the reflection of the reality of complicated family life Mm. and the ups and downs of parenting. And that is a reflection, of course, all we do, whether it's content on social media. We love doing community events as well. We do, you know, dads do hair sessions. We do online sessions on Zoom every month. And we collaborate quite a lot with football clubs. We work with Arsenal and QPR and Brentford, a lot of the London-based teams to have conversations about fatherhood within football clubs. So I think in terms of the topics, you know, there's there's some key topics that always come up. You know, work is a big one, just mm. the work-life balance pressure, the pressure to be successful in your career, but also to be an active dad. And I think these are challenges that mothers have faced forever. But the, the increased involvement from fathers now means that we are experiencing some of those challenges too. Yeah. So I think that's a big one. I think, you know, co-parenting now is, is massive. We know there's a lot of relationship breakdown. Divorce rates are, are high in the UK. So there's so many people that are co-parenting. And I think having a space to discuss what that looks like is important. I think identity as a dad and gender roles in the house and finding your way through that. I think we're in a fascinating time where masculinity is going through an evolution, but it's mm. quite messy. Mm. And the space to just share like, what do you do in your house? What does family and fatherhood look like for you in your house? It's fascinating. Yeah. And I think it's really important to have those spaces to do that. And Jasmine, if I could just bring you in on the work point. What shifts have we seen and what challenges and resolutions do we need to see? Elliot's pointed to the difficulties, the conversations that men are now having and facing some of the obstacles that mothers traditionally have had. What's the situation of fatherhood in the workplace? 
I think most of the research that I've done in this space indicates that for dads, they behave a little bit differently than mums, whereas mums will tend to be more open about the, the support that they need. They will tend to sort of say, for example, my child's sick and I need to go. Whereas for dads, they tend to open more of a negotiation about that and they tend to sort of fight for that time off a little bit more. So we're, we have more dads wanting to be actively involved. And if a child is sick, more dads wanting to go look after that child and attend to that child. They're still facing more challenges in the workplace around that and around getting that support means that women are often forced into the primary caregiving role which might not be right for their family and do you think hybrid working and that's obviously not an option for everyone of course has made those conversations easier for dads it's really mixed and I did some research during the pandemic on this and there's lots of research that's come out and said the pandemic has been really good for dads and really good for the challenges dads face the research that I did during the pandemic with my research team we didn't really find that we felt that during the pandemic there'd been quite a sort of re-traditionalisation of people's working arrangements so we looked at people who worked from home so we did just look at that population but when it was mums and dads working from home we found that people were going back to more sort of traditional ways of managing their care of their children which is quite different than what we would have necessarily expected whilst there was a huge rhetoric from the parents saying that they liked the dad being involved more and the dad saying they liked being more involved and things were going to change after the pandemic which was all really positive their actual behaviours were quite traditional and we did find that mums faced additional sort of challenges during the pandemic with many undertaking something that we called the third shift which was that they were sort of doing work and home and looking after the children in the day and then in the night tending to work mm. whereas men tended to have more time to work during the day so that's a little bit counter to some of the other research during that time but one of the reasons why we thought that happened was because of the additional societal pressure on mums to link in with the school to link in with other parents for example mm. so a lot of that additional pressure was coming from these gatekeepers if you like who are additionally trying to put pressure on the mum it could be on both parents the school can contact both parents the other parents can contact both parents the whatsapp groups don't have to be just the mums to talk about the homeschooling the societal pressure when you've got one of the phrases that we always have in our house there's a perfectly good daddy here we live together they can ask my husband the school can ask my husband they don't need to go everything doesn't come through me I don't need to gatekeep we saw a reassertion in our household of those traditional gender roles but also I think for a lot of women during the pandemic they really had to fight for the space and the time to work put in that third shift Elliot, what have you been seeing around this aftermath of the pandemic and, and has hybrid working from what you've seen created a space for fathers to have those kinds of conversations in the workplace that perhaps they weren't allowed to before? I would say I think so. COVID was crazy. If my brain allows me to go back to more... <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Triggering. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've erased that part of life from my brain, I think. But one of the small positives from it was that a lot of dads did experience a different life. Obviously, we're generalising here and some of these anecdotal evidence. But a lot of the dads I did speak to had a positive experience when it comes to fatherhood. You know, there's a lot of dads that had new babies and were able to be at home for a year. Yeah, they were still working, but they would have been off site in an office and they were able to see their baby every day. They will be able to bond with their baby. They were able to see what their partner and the mum was going through and the difficulties of looking after a newborn, which I think was quite positive. I'll never forget I did this panel in September 2020 and there was a guy from a well-known telecoms company. I won't say the name, but you'll know it. And he was very senior. He was on the board and he used to work in London throughout the week and he would go to his house outside of London on the weekend. And he said that he realised for the first time that he didn't know his children. Wow. Obviously, he could spot them in the lineup. He knew what they looked like, but he didn't know 
the intimacy of their friendships and the friendship dynamics. He didn't know what they were struggling with at school. He didn't know what they read at bedtime. Like he didn't know them to that extent. And he said he didn't realize that he didn't know them until then. And he really wanted to make a change. And he has actually made a change since the pandemic. He's not at home all the time, but he is working a lot more flexibly. So I think for a lot of dads, there was positives that had come from it. But I think what we're seeing now is some form of going backwards a little bit. And I think that is due to a lot of time organisational policy. We haven't necessarily seen all of the organisations, sadly, really stick to flexible working in its truest sense. There is still that idea of, okay, you can be at home, but actually only this amount of time per week on these days, for example. Mm. Mm. the cultural norms haven't completely moved to the point where it's completely normalized for a dad I am going to be the main carer for my children I am going to be on the school run but we have made some progress and I would say that COVID has been a good thing overall for fathers and families I interviewed quite a lot of people during the pandemic from wedding planners to Uber drivers. And one of the things that was very evident is that fathers felt like they were lockdown winners because they were able to experience and have that time with their children that perhaps had been lacking previously. Whereas a lot of mothers I spoke to felt very much lockdown losers and are still carrying the war wounds from that experience. But I wondered if we could just move specifically to policies at a governmental level and at a workplace level. Jasmine, what do you think the government needs needs to be doing to help fathers be better fathers and alleviate some of the pressure from mothers? I have lots of ideas about the things. Tell us, tell us, tell <laughs> One us. One of the sort of the first things I think is to look at paternity leave and to look at the availability of that, the payment of that, because that's when the often this sort of patterns emerge really, really quickly. As a couple, for example, got two weeks with that baby and you're all together in that wonderful bubble and you're all sort of chipping in and getting used to this newborn. But then what often happens because of the way that's funded in the UK is that then, nine times out of ten the dad will go back to full-time work and then the mum's at home and then all of a sudden the mum becomes the expert on the baby because the dad isn't seeing the baby for more than about sort of two hours three hours a day so from being a couple where everything was equal and they had lots of great ideas and this is based on my own experience but mainly from the people that I've spoke to from being really sort of equal then all of a sudden the dad's a little bit away and it's more difficult to establish that relationship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and therefore the mum kind of becomes a default primary caregiver whether they want to or not before you know it that affects your work so I think looking at how we pay that period looking at equalizing that as much as possible is really key flexible working is absolutely massive in this area not just working from home so many companies that I've been speaking to recently just say oh we don't have to worry about flexible working now because we can work from home that isn't isn't necessarily going to work for anyone anyone who's tried to work from home with a toddler will take that working from home does not solve all your childcare issues (laughs) it really doesn't so looking at flexible working making that sort of default and looking at other ways that you can manage that which can include for example being really open about what you're doing and that comes right from the top of the organization if you need to to the school run for example senior members of your organization saying that that's what they're doing not putting in a fake meeting you need to nip out for 45 minutes in the work day nine times out of ten it's a belated lunch hour that's not a big deal but people aren't open about that particularly fathers don't feel they can be open about that two weeks would you say it needs to be a month and in the ideal world what do you think paternity leave should look like 
a lot of organisations will equalise it now so that you can have a really, mm. really good chunk of time with that baby. And certainly looking back from my experience, it just seems ludicrous. But at that time, we couldn't afford for my husband to have more than a week off. And he went back to work. Would I do that again? No. Would I prioritise that time? I really would now, whether it's paid or not. But mm. that shouldn't be a decision that we had to make. Because when you've got a newborn baby, finances are an issue. You'd love to think it's all about sending up the family. But unfortunately, finances are an issue. So I think a significant amount of paid paternity leave would really, really help in those early days which is when you're trying to form as a new family and I think that would really sort of help you establish that. What do you think Elliot about paternity leave and and potentially mandatory paternity leave like they have in Norway for example? Yes I think you know in the UK we have shared parental leave introduced in 2015 and what we found is that it doesn't really work that well you know the take-up has been so low Mm. some research says between three or four percent but very very low and there's a few reasons for that one of the big reasons is finances especially if the dad is the higher earner the family just can't afford to take that income here especially now (laughs) where things are so expensive and the cost of living crisis secondly the process is very very difficult you know we've had dads who've had to coach their HR departments through the admin and the process it can be very difficult and I would say only recently a lot of HR departments actually realize how to go through the shared parental leave process Mm. and third of all a lot of the dads say it's less about sharing but more taking and we shouldn't have to have that conversation about who gets to stay at home it feels like okay I can have some leave but I have to take it from you Exactly. I think arguably the concept of shared parental leave is hugely problematic because you're taking away the mother's right to maternity leave. Yeah. Divvying it up like that feels... It just isn't working, is it? No. It isn't working. So I think what we need is fully paid paternity leave. And as Jasmine was saying, some of the bigger organisations are offering that. I think there's about 30 now, 31 organisations in the UK that have equalised their parental leave. So, you know, if you work at Vodafone, for example, you get 18 weeks fully paid off as a new dad. I should be on commission for Vodafone (laughs) (laughs) and John Lewis it's just not naming but literally you get 18 weeks off and you can take that in two blocks so you can take that when your child arrives which is obviously a time you need to be off Mm. but also a lot of dads take that second block when their partner goes back to work because that transition can be very difficult we champion this so much because I think it is so important for the future of caring we know that from Aviva for example dads that take that paternity leave are much more likely to ask for flexible working afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, I've spoken to so many dads who don't get that time off. They get that two weeks off. They don't learn to bond with their baby, to bathe, to soothe their baby. They can't confidently parent on their own. Mm. And then when it comes to them bum returning back to work, it's kind of a given how they're going to set up their caring responsibilities. I remember when my daughter was young, and we went to baby massage in Walthamstow. <laughs> There's a dad's baby massage class, you know, massage our babies. And then of us dads got together and we started a whatsapp group and we arranged one sunday morning to go to the park which is literally across the road from our houses and we were at the park and there was one guy that wasn't there yet so we messaged him like are you coming and he said oh, i can't come my wife's not around we were like oh no no like you can bring your baby with you it's just dad's going out and he was like oh i need my wife to be with me to take my baby out and literally this is just across the road our kids were maybe nine months old and in talking to him he hadn't had that time to bond with his mm. baby not only did he not have the significant paternity leave he also wasn't able to work flexibly afterwards. So he was kind of coming in and baby's normally asleep when he gets home. You know, on the weekend, maybe he'll be around. And he didn't learn to parent independently. So if we're going to encourage and enable dads to be active and live a full, rich life that, of course, can include a career, but also includes family life, then paid paternity leave is, like, absolutely essential. Obviously, like, some can equalise and all organisations can afford that. But there are many others that have extended paid paternity leave, mm. you know, two, three months. Mm. Like, clip a chance, they're a law firm. I was with them a few weeks ago. 
they offer three months fully paid to their dads. Yeah. So I think organizations can make incremental steps if they can't equalize right now. But aren't we talking about a very privileged selection of people that work in very privileged jobs? I mean, what can we do to help fathers in less secure professions, smaller companies, perhaps in manual labor, not just knowledge economy workers? Because this is a universal problem. How can we universalize these policies? Government intervention is really critical in this space, making sure that there is some paid provision for a decent amount of paternity. And I think that's really, really important. And I think there also needs to be more research in this space. There isn't a huge amount of research on fathers compared to the body that's, that exists around mothers. So it's, it's ever growing. And I like to think that I'm kind of part of that, not, not leading the revolution, but part of the debate. But a lot of it does tend to be based on resident parents in couples and often in the middle class occupation. Mm. So I think there needs to be more research to really understand the needs of those fathers in those populations. There's been some really good stuff done recently about young fathers and understand some of the challenges that young fathers face. I went to a session last week by Professor Anna Tarrant, which was really interesting explaining some of the specific issues that they face. That wasn't something that I was ever aware of, the particular challenges for young fathers. So I think more research in this space is really needed to understand the wider challenges facing fathers. But government intervention, I think, will help to sort of equalise these things also gay fathers as well. I mean, we're talking about heterosexual families here. Do they face certain hostilities and discrimination in the workplace in a way that perhaps heterosexual fathers do not? I've done a little bit of research on this. Now, not much. It was just some of my participants were gay. And what was really interesting, the people that I spoke to that were gay were actually sort of saying that they felt that a lot of the issues that I found in my research, which I called sort of fatherhood forfeits, they were finding actually that they almost disappeared. They weren't restricted by the normal gender stereotype which face Uh, heterosexual parents. So again, it was quite a small sample, but they were really strongly saying that they felt actually that that got them out of these gender stereotypes where the dad works full time and is a breadwinner and the mum is part time in the homemakers they felt that actually being gay was really positive in this space because it meant that they could rewrite the rule but I'd love to do more research on that to find Mm. out if that's representative. Yeah I think just to add to that as well I actually had a chat with a guy called Michael Johnson Ellis who's a gay dad he wrote for our book we're good friends now we did a session yesterday and he was talking about yes definitely they're outside of those gender norms and that's good so they can design their family from scratch but he did say that there's a couple of things that he and his community find difficult the first is that some organizations might not have very good adoption or surrogacy policies Mm. so that can be difficult and I think there's lots of organizations that haven't developed their policies to a point where a gay dads can have a significant amount of time off with their children and secondly when it comes to flexible working you know we know that dads are more likely to have their flexible working requests declined mm. I think the force of society found in some instances that men were less likely to have their wow. working requests approved so if you've got two gay dads who are going to work and saying you know I want to work flexibly because of my caring responsibilities they might find it more difficult to negotiate that time off mm. so I think it's really interesting and I think the point around when we're looking at class and roles in this is really key and I think I've been as Jasmine we've been speaking about this for many years and I'm really happy to see more recently there is more focus done on site-based roles you know working families have done some research looking at employees who work in site-based roles and I think it's nearly half of all the UK employees actually work in jobs where you have to be somewhere mm. and that means that flexible working is more difficult and hybrid working is obviously more difficult it's not impossible you know you can do shift work there are things that can be done but that conversation is a bit more complicated and also I think 
they're likely to be jobs that are lower paid. So when we're thinking about the cost of childcare and how we navigate through taking parental leave and paternity leave, even statutory paternity leave, mm. when we have the cost of living, which is so big, and then the added costs that are going to come up with childcare, I think that reinforces a lot of the problems and the issues that we have here. But I do think we need to do so much more research with organisations that have employees in site-based roles. I was raised by a stay-at-home dad, which let me tell you, in the 1980s was very rare and quite progressive. And my mum was the one that went out to work. But she always had control over the household. What was being eaten, what was being bought, what uniform was pressed, you know, all of that kind of thing. She was the domestic overlord of the house, even though my dad was the one that stayed at home. And this begs the question, which may be a sort of controversial one, is do women need to let men be better fathers, relinquish control over things that perhaps will enable men to feel more confident, more independent, more assertive over parenting? It's <laughs> a nice pause. So, yeah, I was trying to think, honestly, I don't think that's the issue. I can just talk for the people that I've spoke to and I've interviewed over sort of eight years mm. in this space. I haven't found that to be an issue, I think. For families who want to work in this way, which is the people that I tend to speak to, to be completely honest about that, I tend to speak to people who are trying to reach more equality. So then they would be likely to say that. But yeah. I don't think like a sort of maternal mm-hmm. gatekeeping is the issue. I think it's other people understanding the need to share things more at home that's more challenging than necessarily sort of mums wanting to keep it for themselves. Yeah. Elliot, would you concur? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I don't think that's where we should be focusing our efforts. Obviously, in some families, there will be maternal gatekeeping and that will exist in some families. But I don't think when we're looking at the issues overall, that is where we should be focusing our efforts. You know, if we can allow dads to just be at home more Mm. and take that time off, I think naturally that will happen. I think the the point we were making earlier is that dads aren't afforded that time Mm. to learn how to parent. So it's naturally going to work out one way. So we need to focus on allowing dads to be present Mm. at home, I think, especially when their babies are young. Something that has become increasingly apparent in the cost of living crisis is the spiralling cost of childcare and the fact that the UK has one of the most expensive childcare systems in the world. A number of women are going to work, earning a wage, and the majority of that going on the childcare that enables them to work. And therefore, what's the point in them working? Whether the conversation around fatherhood has anything to add on that. I think if it's more shared than if there is a childcare hit, you're taking it as two parents. If there is difficulties in having a break, because then if your career is affected and anyone who's looked at gender pay stats will see we all start off pretty equal. On graduation in mid 20s and then it's not until you get to sort of 30s 40s that it really drops and then it never quite recovers if you are having a more equal division of work and childcare and in the family I think you both are taking the hit and therefore the gap won't be so much because the challenge then becomes one person continues to work full-time one person works part-time and therefore it never makes financial sense for both people to work full-time if that's what they want to do not everybody wants to do that but these discussions are very much about choice Exactly. And also, isn't even the framing of debate around childcare costs very gendered? It's seen as the financial burden and aligned to the mother's salary. Yeah. Elliot, any thoughts on that? I think it's just a reflection of where we are in terms of gender based roles. So we do a lot of work with the NHS. And don't get me wrong, I love the people that work in the NHS. Disclaimer. <laughs> no, they do amazing work, seriously. But, you know, we, we talk to the NHS quite a lot. And it's talking about how we can engage men in the maternity process. Some simple things like letters. In some trusts, the letter only invites the mum mm, to the first meeting. Yeah. In law, dads are able to take unpaid time off for two scans. And what we find is that throughout the maternity process, sometimes dads can feel alienated. And that is partly they need to take responsibility for leaning in more. But also some of the services aren't necessarily designed 
designed with the dad in mind and not welcoming and they don't involve the dad fully. So I think even before the baby is born, a lot of the fatherhood roles and parenting roles in the family are being devised at that point. And then it's reinforced with a lack of paid paternity leave. And then it can be reinforced around unflexible working. So when we get to the point where we have the childcare conversation, Mm. we're carrying all that baggage and all those ideas already. And then we have the very gendered conversation around mothers and childcare. So for me, it's a symptom, if you like, of the bigger problem that we have. That's so true. And all of that was made that much worse by the pandemic. I mean, I was pregnant during the pandemic and my husband wasn't allowed to turn up to the appointments and the entire process of giving birth and the aftermath of the birth was done through the mother because the father wasn't allowed. So I think there's all sorts of ways in which the pandemic has exacerbated the problem. Jasmine, any thoughts on that? I do think COVID polarised men and women and I think it kind of forced them to be all more important in this situation. I think almost the sort of trade with that was that many men had lots more time with their newborns than they would have normally as we mm. sort of alluded to earlier mm. so I think almost that's the sort of trade-off with that whilst the sort of birth and pregnancy must have been really really difficult at that time to go through for women and for men and I think it will be really interesting as we're starting to see now stats come out with what people are actually doing since the pandemic because things are just starting to come out now sort of research-wise and sort of data-wise to see actually have people really made any changes as a result of their experience. What's the evidence suggest? Not as much as we all thought. And that's certainly, if you need some links for that, I can send you that. But there has been some changes to stay-at-home dads. The stay-at-home dad rates have increased almost by a third, I think it was. What's hard to know is exactly kind of what the rationale for that is. So why have dads chosen that? Was it an actual choice or was it due to their circumstances? So it implies that there has been a little bit of a change, but generally there doesn't seem to be that sort of massive sort of great resignation change that we all kind of hoped. And certainly researchers in this space were really sort of thinking, wow, you know, our participants are going to be very very different after the pandemic because of their experiences whereas personally for me I'm left with a lot of data where lots of parents said things were going to be different and the emerging data that I've got is saying that it's essentially not because things have gone back to normal we have home working and hybrid working but a lot of the issues are still the same a lot of dads are still facing the challenges that they first that they faced before and also in the cost of living crisis and a potential fear around a recession well that's an extra squeeze isn't it and exactly. I, you know I think that's a really good point I'm glad that you mentioned that it it might well have been during the pandemic with all the best intentions. There were some of the dads that we spoke to that said, I want to do four days a week after the pandemic. I've enjoyed being more involved with the education of my kids, getting to know them better, as you mentioned before earlier. That was something that commonly came up. Those dads genuinely wanted to work four days afterwards. Their employer probably hasn't been negative about that four day. It was not even that. I just think with the cost of living, people are actually, we just can't afford it now. Mm. I don't mean to sound negative, but in a few years, you wonder whether the impetus will still be there. Yeah. Children grow up. The pandemic's a bit of a distant memory. Elliot, you mentioned co-parenting and it reminded me of that whole Fathers for Justice campaign actually about 10 years ago was the superheroes on Buckingham Palace roof and all that kind of stuff and that campaigning for fathers to have a say, to have legal right, to have access. Where do you think we are at on the conversation and the status of co-parenting? Has that shifted at all? I don't think the legalities around that have shifted necessarily. We haven't seen any major legislative changes. But I think what we have seen is that it's just more common. And there are so many children now that are growing up in blended families. There are so many parents that are co-parenting. And the conversation around that has definitely evolved, Mm. I would say. Mm. 
And I think it's quite normal now to be co-parenting. And I think when it comes to what do we do to support people through that? And I think it partly is around, you know, when it comes to work, for example, if we can be compassionate, empathetic leaders and workplaces that have good policies in general, then for people who are co-parenting who might have additional challenges around sometimes just around that flexibility that they need, mm-hmm or maybe around some more pastoral, emotional support, or maybe there are dynamics in their relationship that maybe make life a bit more challenging. If the workplace is set up in a way where it can support staff holistically for a variety of different reasons, we'll have that support for people who maybe have that additional challenge through care parenting. We're finding in Music Football Fatherhood, it is something that is a common conversation now, and it's not something that was maybe on the fringes like it was a few years ago. And obviously there must be a real difficulty and a layer of tension for a dad to ask for flexible working to parent a child that perhaps doesn't live with him. I just wonder if there's a distinction there. To be honest with you, I think from the research that I've done, the people that I've spoke to, I found that dads kind of navigate that climate anyway. All the participants that I've spoke to very much talk about any support being really subject to a period of quite significant negotiation. And quite often it's about kind of needing to explain the whereabouts of their partner, their partner's mum. Um, the nursery all the different people to actually get time off so I think that's the environment dads are working in anyway to add to that as well like the business in the community did some really good research and equal lives paper a few years ago and they spoke quite a lot about how we are just kind of at the whim of our line managers and a lot of line managers who have had personal experience in a particular part of life in this case parenting and fatherhood and potentially co-parenting they're going to be so much more understanding of the needs of their people i think it points to the massive issue about educating people sometimes we see our lives through our own eyes and you know even me i will come at the fatherhood work very much from my position as a dad a black dad lives in watford one daughter married etc and I also have to always remind myself that actually my situation is just my situation Mm. and so when I'm doing my work and when I'm speaking try as best to reflect everyone else I think when it comes to line managers we know they control so much of a person's experience at work kind of regardless or additionally to the policies but also maybe regardless of of the wider culture is how much your line manager understands your particular situation and is willing to have an open conversation about what you individually need and how much they understand that the nuance of every situation is different of course yeah it's important there to just touch upon how you think fatherhood intersects with race we've talked a bit about the intersection with class but what about race i mean do you see a more positive portrayal of black fatherhood than we've seen in the past i mean obviously you're part of that positive conversation and bringing in that diversity where do you think things are at with that So I think when you add race, it can add layers of complication when it comes to fatherhood. And I think there are different layers. You know, I have friends who are white, but have children with autism or special needs. So everyone will have their challenges. When I'm speaking to black dads, there are certain things that we will have to internally fight against and some things that maybe will come up for us earlier on. For example, in the UK, black people are like 3% of the population. You want your child to go to a good school, but also a school where they are represented. And getting that balance can be very, very difficult. A lot of children are bullied for their hair and for their race at a young age in school. So there's a lot of these things that we're battling with. And then a lot of the stereotypes and the historic negative connotations around absent black dads and stuff like that. So then you're fighting against societal and cultural narratives around that. Also, when we're looking at the intersection of of race and class, you know, there are more people from ethnic minority backgrounds and from black backgrounds who are more likely to be in lower income jobs. So they are more likely to work in site-based roles and have all the issues we spoke about in regards to that. Black women are four times more likely to die in childbirth. So again, issues around worrying about your wife surviving childbirth yeah and advocating for her in childbirth as well 
which is really hard for dads generally, but that is such a key issue. 100%. Like it's scary, mm. you know, when you see mm. that statistic and your partner's going through childbirth, it's very worrying for any dad, but when you have the layer or race on that. So like with anything, we need to try as best as we can to treat people as individuals and just for everyone to understand people's experiences as much as we can outside of just looking at the world through our own lens. And this is why conversations like this are so good. If people can listen and hopefully learn more about people that are different to them. When it comes to fatherhood, what's the one change that you think would make the most difference? I'll start with you, Jasmine. The main one is the paternity leave, because that will give people put people in a stronger position to be able to negotiate some of the other things if they start off from a point right at the beginning when they've been involved and they've had that opportunity. Government legislation that allowed for what specifically? For the dads to have early time off with their children that is paid, they can spend getting to know their child, getting to know their routine. What's the ideal length of time for a father to spend with their newborn? Three months. Three months. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Good luck with that, I know. No, but... no, I, listen, I would have loved that. My husband got two weeks on both occasions and it was torturous for me in particular being stuck at home on my own with no family near. It's really difficult for everybody. Yeah. Actually, it have huge implications and positive consequences on rates of postnatal depression, for example. So, Elliot, again, what one change would you like to see made? I would love to be like, you know, the person that says something different, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to echo what Jasmine has said and stick with what I truly believe, which is if we were to equalise parental leave, that is the catalyst for everything else. Everything else falls off that. So if our government could put its socks up and do that, amazing. So I'm sticking with that, equalising parental leave. And in a way, there's a story to be written, but it's already being drafted on the impact of COVID on kids, that generation that I think went through very difficult times during lockdown. For some, it was it was a real positive experience. And for some, it really wasn't. And I think if we are to make a change that is going to have a long-term impact, that idea of allowing fathers to be at home in the first three months, establishing that greater equality in terms of childcare, but also domestic duties, establishing a knowledge of your child from the off, mm. And that confidence and that independence to take the baby to the park without the mother's <laughs> surveillance. And also just enabling fathers to feel like fathers from the point the baby arrives. Mm. That's really, really key. Brilliant. Well, I'd like to thank you so much, Elliot and Jasmine. I thought it was incredibly illuminating and brilliant conversation in which I learned a huge amount. Thank you so much for listening to It's All Relative. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Eliza Philby. And why not subscribe to my weekly newsletter to hear more from me about how we are changing as consumers, workers and as systems. Oh, and do rate us on Apple Reviews. It helps me keep this podcast going. <laughs>